This is the Ballistic Whisper Podcast. Your education, your responsibility. We're here to help. This is episode one of the Cryer Program. When I say tissue quality, what comes to mind? Disclaimer, Outlaw Movement Systems does not have financial or other associations with the manufacturers of commercial products, suppliers of commercial services, or commercial supporters. This presentation does not involve the unlabeled use of a product or product under investigational use. There is no financial or in-kind commercial support for this activity. Non-discrimination statement. Outlaw Movement Systems LLC does not discriminate on the basis of race, color, national origin, religion, sex, disability, military status, sexual orientation, or age. Outlaw Movement Systems is committed to accessibility and non-discrimination in all aspects of its continuing education activities. Participants who have special needs are encouraged to contact the program organizers so that all reasonable efforts to accommodate these needs can be made. Disclosures. I am creating and recording this as my part of my responsibilities for Mercy. This falls underneath my normal compensation plan. So why are we having this conversation? What's the knowledge gap and what's our intent? Um, to sum it up, we're trying to provide an oversight of all the tissues encompassed when we use the term tissue quality. That's something that clinically, um, if we watch and if we listen, people throw the term tissue quality around a lot. And hopefully as I progress through this presentation, through this discussion, it will open some eyes and you'll be able to see that the words we're using don't necessarily match up with what our actual clinical intent is. Um, at the end of today, the end of listening to this, and once you complete a quiz and then a course review, you'll be eligible to get CEUs. So when you think about tissue quality, first things that come to mind, foam rolling, uh, lacrosse ball, putting our hands on people, uh, you know, applying pressure to trigger points, depending on, you know, in some manner, that is dependent upon our training and our philosophy, dry needling, um, grass and technique, you know, um, different organizations have made uh, the, the voodoo band quite popular as a tool when it comes to things you can do at home on your own. There have been many types of Theraguns, vibration devices, portable vi vibration devices that are guns, that are foam rolls, that are balls. All of these are, you know, when, when this is a majority of what we see when it comes to tissue quality. And the bad thing is all of these fall into techniques and approaches that are going to help us address tissue quality. However, all of these have one commonality. These are all just different tools, different approaches to address trigger points. And as much as we use the word trigger points and throw the word trigger points around, there really hasn't been a good definition of exactly what a trigger point is. We can't even come to that agreement on what constitutes a trigger point but yet we're going after these trigger points with all these different techniques. So regardless of what a trigger point is, everything that talks about a trigger point, um, every, you know, everybody that is going after trigger points and specializing in trigger point work, though they might have different techniques, different philosophies, different approaches, the one commonality is they're typically going after either uh, the muscle, the tendon or the fascial sheath that surrounds that muscle. Um, 
And then their technique on how they resolve that trigger point or improve that trigger point or make that trigger point go away, that might vary a little bit, but they're still going after and we're still going after trigger points. But tissue quality work, manual work, isn't just about trigger points. Muscle, tendon, fascia, dermis, subdermal tissue, periosteum, ligament, arterial vessels, venous vessels, lymphatic vessels, nerve fibers, nerve endings, blood itself, lymph fluid itself, extracellular fluid or exudate, the joint capsule, synovial fluid, chondral surfaces. These are all tissues that are going to have an effect on our patients, on the people that we're working with. These are all tissues that can contribute to pain. These are all tissues that can contribute to movement issues. These are all tissues that can, can contribute to effusion. These are all tissues that can impede the sensory input that the central nervous system is trying to get. But if all we do is focus on just the muscle and just the fascia and you know that those components that's only 16% of what's on that list. You know, that's only three out of 18 of the structures that compromise that list. And if we think about it, it's not even, we're neglecting a lot of tissue. And by my math, that's 84% of those tissues that we aren't doing anything to actively go after and address. And yeah, some of those techniques might be secondarily addressing and catching up, catching or drawing in some of those tissues, but they're still very much, very heavily guided by trigger points. Worst part is that 16% is very optimistic. That actually should be cut down to 8% because everything we do is compression based. If we look at all of those tissues, the voodoo bands, the foam rolls, the manual techniques where we're putting our hands on patients, lacrosse ball, all the percussion devices, any instrument assisted device that you're using, dry needling, myofascial release, the active release, the positional release, the postural restoration, all of those, the one thing that is the commonality, I've got to throw a little shout out to Queen in here, their song Under Pressure, is we're applying pressure to tissue. So all of those techniques, all of those tools, though they're drastically different in philosophies and application, they're all just the same way of going after the same things. We're going after trigger points. We're going after areas of hypertonicity. We're going after painful areas with pressure. And that's only about address. That's only addressing roughly 8% of the things that we want to be going after and in manners that we should be going after them. So what does compression do? Really it does three things. It activates nerve endings. We have our nociceptors, we have our pressure receptors, we have other free nerve endings. And I think it's important to understand that all nociceptors are free nerve endings, but not all free nerve endings are nociceptors. Compression impedes, and if there's enough, completely stops fluid flow. So that's going to be you know, fluid flow through our arterial vessels and our venous vessels. Um, we're going to be impeding blood flow, the carrying away of waste and the carrying of oxygen and nutrients to the tissues. 
And more importantly, that's also going to affect the flow of our lymphatics. And we get compression. So basically, when we talk about, we, when I say we get compression, we get compression at a cellular level. We are compressing cells at a cellular level. So in a nutshell, compression does two things. It alters pain signals and it creates tissue ischemia. And that's it. And that's okay, but let's be honest and let's ask some hard questions. Is altering pain signals and tissue ischemia the only things that we're trying to accomplish clinically? And if we take a hard look at ourselves, I'm going to say that that's not all we're trying to go after. If we look at a list of, and this is a list that, you know, I tried to summarize as best I could of what all of our clinical intentions are and what all of our clinical goals are, I came up with 10 things. We are trying to alter pain signaling. That is a viable and a valuable clinical goal, clinical intent. We are at times trying to create tissue ischemia, but we're also trying to create tissue perfusion so that we can get oxygen-rich blood to the area, so that we can generate capillary perfusion into those healing tissues. We're trying to get sliding and gliding. We're trying to get the actin and myosin at the, at the muscular level to be able to slide and glide across each other in an efficient and effective manner. But at the same time, we're also trying to get the tissues at different tissue levels, the different tissue interfaces to slide and glide over each other so that we can have normal and optimal movement. We're trying to clear waste at both a cellular level and at a systemic level. We're trying to get rid of CO2 and other byproducts. And we're trying to get that blood out, those waste products out from the cellular level. We're trying to get lymphatic, uh, we're trying to get lymph fluid and exudate cleared from the cellular level and from a regional level. We've got to get that stuff out of there. We're trying to align and organize our collagen fibers following trauma, following surgery. Um, motor unit activation is important, just as motor unit relaxation is important. There's times we need to desensitize tissues. And in almost every instance, following an injury, we're going to have to decrease a fear response associated with the injured region or the injured limb. But if all we're going after is altered pain signaling and tissue ischemia, we're neglecting 80% of our clinical goals. Those are two things that are important, but I don't think that uh, those two fall into the 80-20 rule. 20% of our work is going to make up for or going to give us 80% of our outcomes. I don't believe that's the case in this instance. So the big question, how do I individually make up the difference? How do I fill that gap? Well, when we say tissue quality, we mean the quality of every tissue. We mean the actin and the myosin. Yes, we mean the muscular tissue and the fascial tissue, but everything on that list I went through earlier, we need to address everything. And when we consider all of these other structures in something as simple as a trigger point release of the popliteus, just consider and think about where that popliteus lies. You're having to go through lymph tissue. You're having to go through there. I mean, just in the region of the popliteus, if we're applying a trigger point release or we're going after the popliteus with one of our manual therapies, we're in very close proximity to lymph vessels. We're in very close proximity, proximity to arterial vessels, to venous vessels, uh, lots of nerves in there, named nerves, but more importantly, not just the named nerves, our cutaneous nerves that we typically disregard because 
those nerves aren't included in any of our anatomy textbooks or in any central nervous system diagram because they're just so variable and there's so many of them. Doesn't mean they're not important. Doesn't mean they're not there. Doesn't mean that we're not going to have to account for that. On top of that, we have the skin, we have the dermis, we have the epidermis. Oh, and then we might be able to find that popliteus if we, you know, if we're really good with our palpatory skills. But when we do a trigger point release or when we do trigger points to the popliteus, we can't forget that we're not just doing trigger point work to the popliteus. We're applying compression to every structure that sits on top of that popliteus. And there's a lot of structures from a vascular standpoint, from a nervous standpoint, and from a lymphatic standpoint. When we think of tissues, when we think of limbs in a cross-sectional manner, when you apply pressure, we're applying pressure to everything underneath that surface, all the way down to the bone. And like I just said, when we're applying pressure to that popliteus, there are some very important vascular structures. There are some very important nervous structures. We have some lymphatic structures that are sitting there. And again, I'm going to mention it because I don't get enough credit. Cutaneous nerves. You know, that's all extremely important. And when we find that trigger point on the popliteus, like I said, we're also compressing and applying pressure to all of these other structures, which means we're facilitating change and creating adaptation in all of these other structures. So that should very much line up with what our clinical intent of what that trigger point work to the popliteus. If it doesn't, we have problems. So what do we do? Compression is good, but compression is not the only thing. I can't believe I'm going to make a reference to women's undergarments, but there is a time and place to lift and, lift and separate, and it's not just a bra. Um, there's the saying that movement is medicine. Sounds kind of cheesy, but it is kind of true. We need to promote the sliding and gliding of tissues. We need to do that, not just for the mechanical action of the sliding and gliding of the tissues, but we severely underestimate what movement does from a vascular standpoint, how it aids vascular return, how it aids clearance of waste products. And we severely underestimate the importance of movement when it comes to lymph fluid. And then last but not least, can't believe I'm going to say this, but a term that's kind of, or a catchphrase that's kind of become popular along the lines of social media in the last couple years, motion is lotion. Yeah. When we move tissues, we are not just creating the mechanical movement that we, assume, that we know is going on, but we're also making changes and creating movement within our vascular and lymphatic systems, just like I talked about. But at the same time, as we're creating that movement within our vascular systems, within our lymphatic systems, within the musculoskeletal system, we also have to understand and realize that the central nervous system is adapting to that as well. And by doing so, that's where we can start to move into and work towards the desensitization, the reduction of fear, because that central nervous system is learning. We are taking away that th threat response if, we're, if our skills are appropriate, if our interventions are appropriate. If we're screwing up and we're doing the wrong things, we're just, we are the problem. But if we're doing it right, we can start to make change 
within that central nervous system. And the entire goal of all of our soft tissue work, all of our tissue quality work, isn't just the mechanical improvement of the quality of the tissue. That's the very low key goal. The overall and the higher reaching goal, the ultimate intent with all of our tissue quality work is to create changes within the central nervous system. And by improving motion, improving movement, improving the ability of tissues to move, of joints to move, we are improving the quality and the amount of input that that area, that region, that joint, that surface area is sending to the central nervous system. So what are our other options when it comes to loading the tissues? We have our compression, our active release, position release, massage, myofascial release, any directed trigger point work, whether it's a lacrosse ball, a foam roll, any of our percussive equipment, occlusion with a voodoo band or any kind of compressive wrap or you know even some of the blood flow restriction tools we're going to get that create that occlusion but we also have distraction and negative pressure that's where our cupping comes into place that's where rolfing comes into place that's where some tissue shearing comes into place pinching and lifting and then brachiation all can create negative pressure and distraction we have those strategies that work on sliding and gliding, both inside the muscle at the actinomyosin level, but also in between the different tissues, intramuscular and intersegmental. We have isolated range of motion that falls into active, passive, assisted, and resisted. All of that can be important. We have mobility work. And I think when it comes to mobility work, we have to keep in mind there's active mobility work, there's passive mobility work, there's assisted and there's resisted mobility work. When it comes to working on perfusion, movement and occlusion. Because when we occlude something, when we remove that occlusive device, we're gonna get a reperfusion and increase in blood flow to the area. And then last but not least is vibration. Applying vibration through the palm and through the soles of the feet, we are drastically underappreciating the value that that has to the central nervous system. We can apply vibration directly to the tissues we can use the hypervolt and any of the other percussive tools. We can use a vibratory platform, but I think it's important to understand the frequency that those tools operate off of. Those frequencies, because they're so high, that dissipates a vibration, it doesn't travel very far. We need very low frequencies, four to six hertz. Great way to do that, the K3 methodology. The K3 programming and the K3 techniques are a great way to, inter in, a great way to interject vibratory therapy through the palms, through the soles, and directly to tissue. So now here's a hard question. Reflect on what you've been doing up to this point. Answer this honestly and answer this truthfully. If you lie to yourself, that's okay. You'll get used to it, but don't lie to others. What percentage of your tissue quality work is taking place on the table? And if we think about it from a neurodevelopmental standpoint, I could rephrase the question. What percentage of your tissue quality work is taking place in either prone or supin? Because that's the majority of what we do on the table. Here's the bad thing. If it's more than 50%, you're suffering from CRI. What is CRI? Cranial rectal inversion. You have your head up your anus. Now the nice thing about this, level one and fixing cranial rectal inversion, be aware of it. Know that you've made a mistake and that's okay. You made a mistake, doesn't make you a bad person. You just made a bad decision. So how do we fix this? How do we pull your head out of your anus? Simple, it's not easy. First, you have to ask yourself the question, 
Am I happy with the quality of this tissue? With what I've done so far. You ask that question, you're applying critical thinking, which is the analysis of the facts to form a judgment. So you have to ask yourself, are you happy with the quality of the tissue in front of you? Are you happy with what you've done so far? If the answer is no, then you need to ask yourself the next question. What should I do differently? If your answer to the first question, am I happy with the quality of the tissue and what I've done so far is yes, then you have to ask this question. What can I do better or what can I do differently? Because just because it's worked up to this point doesn't mean it's going to continue to work. doesn't mean that you've addressed everything. So those two questions, what should I do differently? Or what can I do better or differently? Once we've taken that step, now we've moved into creative thinking. Critical thinking, like I said, that's the analysis of facts to form a judgment. Creative thinking is our ability to consider something in a different way, to consider something from a new perspective or from a different angle. If you're spending all of, or if you're spending more than half of your time with your patients doing tissue quality work, doing manual work on the table, you cannot be happy with what you've done so far. The only instance where that might possibly be appropriate is in a post-op patient where we are bound by several comorbidities and a very restrictive physician. I also think it's important for you guys to keep in mind, if you're going to take the time to ask yourself these questions and to think about whether or not you're happy with what's in front of you and what you can do differently, that's wonderful. If you're not, then what you're, what you're saying is okay is stupidity. And this isn't me calling you stupid. Stupidity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. If you're doing that, you can't be surprised by the results that you don't get. Doing the same thing over and over again, you can't be surprised by the outcome because it's shown you, you've seen what's going to happen. So now we're going to talk about the Holman charts, volume two, the redo. So when we think about this, if, if all of your tissue work is on the table and all you're doing is compression, you're missing out on a lot of things. Early post-op patients, in reality, yeah, you're going to have some of those patients where about 60% of their tissue quality work, or there's going to be about 60% of the time that needs to be encompassed by tissue quality work. That doesn't mean lay them on the table for 60% of the time that they're with you in supine and prone. You need to be spending about 30% of that time, 30% of your total time on the table addressing tissue quality. But you also be need, you need to be devoting just as much time to integrated tissue quality work where you're getting them off the table. You're putting them in appropriate postures. You're putting them in appropriate positions to move away from just that straight up tissue quality. We're working on some sliding and gliding. We might work on some distraction. We might work on some negative pressure. You've got to do something else in those patients, not just greater than half of their time laying on the table and prone and supine. Plus, that's just straight up boring. Um, in our late post-op patients and our non-op patients, about 35% of our time should be directed toward addressing, towards addressing tissue quality. Our new mindset, that translates to about 15% of the time them on the table, 20% of the time them doing integrated tissue quality work in an appropriate posture and in an appropriate position. At the end of the day though, regardless, it, it's not about what percentage of time you should be doing this or you should be doing that. 
It's the concept. If you're devoting 10 minutes and your post-op patient, your early post-op patient, if you're devoting 10 minutes to work with them laying on the table in supine doing, doing active release, you need to devote just as much time to them off of the table, addressing tissue quality in an appropriate posture, in an appropriate position, working on what is appropriate within the confines of that situation. We've got to get off the table. You have to get them off the table. Why? Because our ultimate goal, every single one of our patients is going to walk out of the clinic into the real world. They need to be able to access and use their tissues in the real world. If all we're doing is addressing tissue on the table, we know that stability, we know that motor control is posture specific. If stability and motor control is posture specific, I find it hard to believe that you make that trigger point go away when they're laying down, that when you stand them up and you ask that muscle to do something different, that that trigger point's gonna stay gone, even if we're going back to just believing in only trigger points. We've got to approach tissue quality like we approach everything else, where the intent is in the real world, when they're using that tissue, it is not problematic for them. It's not painful. It's not a limiting factor, which means we're going to have to put them into that point of restriction. We're going to have to put them into that point of problem, and we're going to have to aggressively and very methodically go after the tissue quality and not just apply compression, that we have lots of options. Okay, so you made it this far. Might as well give you some CEUs for this. There's a QR code within the notes. If you take your phone out. Hold it up to the QR code for the quiz, and it will take you to the quiz. You take the quiz, you do good on the quiz. That's awesome. That's part one. Part two, there's a second QR code that's associated with an eval. This is completely anonymous, where you get to evaluate this presentation. Same thing, you're going to pull out your phone. You're going to hold it up to that QR code. It's going to take you to a link that allows you to assess this evaluation or to assess this presentation. I would ask you to do that. We value the feedback as we continue to try and improve what it is that we're doing. This is anonymous. Um, it's not associated with a name, an email address, an IP address, or anything else. It's completely anonymous. On the quiz, we do ask that you fill in your name so that we can correctly spell your name on your CEU certificate and make sure that you get that. Nothing worse than sitting and watching this, listening to this, taking the quiz, filling out the eval, and not getting the CU form because you forgot to Put your name on it. Now we made it all the way to the last slide. Why did I call this the CRIER program? The CRI with an umlaut R program. Well, as I mentioned just a little while ago, CRI stands for cranial rectal inversion. The second R is for reversal. The cranial rectal inversion reversal program. Um, and plus, anytime you add an umlaut to something, it makes it 10 times better. If you have questions or if we can be of assistance in any way, don't hesitate to reach out and contact us. My email address is brandon.hetzler at mercy.net. Um, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to get those to me. Otherwise, I hope you learned something. I hope you weren't too offended by some of these questions, but at the same time, if me asking you a question offended you, part of that is on me for asking a tough question, but there also has to be something that caused you to be offended. 
my questions by themselves shouldn't offend you unless there is something under the surface that you may or may not be aware of that allowed my words to get under your skin. And if that's the case, I do acknowledge that some of these are some very pointed questions, but at the same time, you need to take some ownership of yourself and ask the deeper question of why did his question, why did his words offend me or make me feel the way that they did? If you do that and you reflect on your, what you're doing clinically and you reflect on your actions and there's nothing there, then yeah, I'm just a jerk for asking these very pointed questions. But in the off chance that I'm not completely a jerk and there's something there that you can find to help yourself and more importantly, to improve what you're doing practice wise and to improve what you're doing clinically, which at the end of the day will improve the care that you're able to provide to the people that entrust you with their care, then we've taken a step forward. Then we have made ourselves better and hopefully we have been able to impact and make the world around us just a little bit better place for those people that have to live in it with us. So hope you enjoyed this. Hope you got something from this. Hope I didn't offend you too much, but if I did, feel free to let me know in the evaluation form or send me an email. I look forward to either or. Enjoy.